I'd just like to show you, I'd like to show you a book that greatly influenced me many years back and until today. This is a book by Max Lucado. The title is Life on the Anvil. In that book, Max Lucado said that in the shop of a blacksmith, there are three types of tools. There are tools on the junk pile. These are tools that are outdated and broken and dull and rusty. They sit in the cobwebbed corner, useless to their master. They are oblivious to their calling. And then there are tools on the anvil. These are tools that are melted down. They are moldable. They are changeable. They live on the anvil being shaped by their master. And they are accepting their call. But then there are tools of usefulness. They are sharpened. They are primed. They are defined and mobile. They now lie in the blacksmith's tool chest. They are now available to their master, fulfilling their call. Max Lucado transitions in his book by saying, there are also three types of people in this life, and you may find yourself in any of these three. He says, some people's lives are useless. They lie useless. Their lives are broken. Their talents are wasting. Their fires are quenched. Their dreams are dashed. They are tossed in with this crap iron. They are in desperate need of repair. These people have no notion of purpose. Another type of people are those that lie on the anvil. These are lives whose hearts are open and hungry to change. Their wounds are now healing. Their visions are now clearing. They welcome the pain of the blacksmith's hammer. They're longing to be rebuilt. They are begging to be called. And yet, there's a third kind of people. These are people that lie in the master's, in their master's hands. They are now well-tuned. They are now uncompromising, polished. They are productive. They are responding to their master's forearm. They demand nothing. They have learned to surrender all. I suggest that you buy this book in Amazon.com because this has changed my perspective largely on life on where I am, on any season where God might be bringing me into. I asked one of our artists here in Lighthouse, Brother Arnold Juan, how would you depict your life being in the hands of the master? And this is how, and this is what he came up with. Because he's a painter, he's an artist. He made use of the easel. He made use of the canvas. He made use of this beautiful butterfly that is being released into its beautiful destiny. For as long as you know that your life is in the hand of the master, whether you are in the anvil, whether you are being used by now in the mighty ways of God, know that you are secure because the master's hand is the one that controls you. Many weeks back, I took our kiddos into a Bible study of the life of Elijah, the character that we will be talking about today. And as we were talking Rafa started scribbling in her iPad, and it's just fascinating that as she reviewed for me the process that she went through or that, he, that her opus had to go through, it's beautiful that in just 15 seconds, now of course fast forwarded, you would see the hand of the master creating such a beautiful masterpiece.
And so today, I'm making use of Rafa's artistry to launch this series of sermons that your pastors will be preaching on for the next three months, June, July, and August. We're going to exposit the lives of people that have been so surrendered and yielded into the master's hand. How they allow the master to craft them, to mold them, to shape them into their glorious destiny. And for as long as you know that your master is intentional and purposive and very much driven by love and, her, and his overall concern about you, then you can entrust your life to the master no matter what pain or aches or molding that you will have to go through. Today, my friends, I have entitled this series for the month of June, Keeping Your Edge in the New Normal. How do you keep your edge? How do you become a person that is a cut above the rest? A person that is not just in conformity with what the rest of the, Lord, the world is doing. How do you keep your edge? Paano ka makakalamang? Paano ka aangat? Paano ka magiging iba sa nakakarami? So that your life will not just be a run-of-the-mill life. That you're not just one of the ordinary people that live their lives with no notion of purpose. But a life that is marked, every step is marked by the very divine guidance that comes from the Almighty. How do you keep your edge in this new normal? If you have your Bibles, please open your Bibles now to the book of First Kings. We will be reading from the 17th chapter. We'll have eight verses to read today, verses 1 to 8. I have asked my fellow pastors to creatively read for us the following verses. Please read along with them. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab, tandaan mo, saksi si Yahweh, ang buhay na Diyos ng Israel na aking pinaglilingkuran. Hindi uulan ni hindi magkakahamog sa mga darating na taon hanggat hindi ko sinasabi. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Some time later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. The reading of the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that now as we commence this sermon series, we entrust unto you, Lord, every meditation of our heart, every utterance of our mouth. Let the exposition of your word bring life, bring change. Let your word bring, Lord, and breathe into each hearer the challenge, the inspiration, even the rebuke that comes from your Holy Spirit. Because we know 
You're a God of purpose. And you would want your people to keep their edge so that, Lord, we will be following and obeying your edict to not conform to the pattern of this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds brought by the preaching of the powerful word of Jesus. So speak to us now, Holy Spirit. We are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor June, Pastor Carlo, Pastor Mackey, for the reading of the word. So today, I have entitled the sermon, Embrace Your Calling. If you'd like to keep your edge in this new normal, the first imperative is for us to have a deep sense of what we have been called to be, what we have been called to do, what we have been called to perform or to occupy in this part of eternity. Elijah, our character that we will exposit on for the next four Sundays, was a man that truly understood his divine calling in life. Let me give you the context of our reading for today. Because the historical times where these characters lived were instrumental in forming the steel of the inner character of a person, whether good or bad. Our characters hammered in the anvil of time and in the context of history. Elijah was born into a generation that hardly knew God. He was born into a generation where idolatry was at its zenith, where idolatry was the way of life of every chosen person of the Lord, of Israel. They had so veered away from the path of their forefathers. They had been largely influenced by the evil ways of their evil kings. And because of that, when Elijah went into the scene, Elijah found himself in a generation that was just steeped in total darkness, if not in total depravity. Let me give you a context by reading first the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Kings. It says that in the year of Asa, king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom, Basha, son of Ahijah, became king of all Israel in Tirzah, which is the northern kingdom, and he reigned for 24 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of Jeroboam and in a sin which he had caused Israel to commit. I underscored that verse there that says, in the ways of Jeroboam, because you would, you would notice in the book of First Kings and First Chronicles, all the 19 kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were all wicked to the core. And the description that the Bible writers would have of them is that they all walked in the ways of their predecessor, the first king of the united, of the divided kingdom, which is the northern tribe. Jeroboam was an evil king. He introduced the worship of the golden calf among the people of Israel. The very command of the Lord, when the Lord would say, you shall have no other gods before me, that exact command Jeroboam defied in an act of rebellion, in an act of declaration of independence from the ways of Yahweh. Jeroboam started building idols. He started violating the laws of the Levites. He got priests from all the other tribes of Israel, even with no Levitical calling, just so he could establish his own religion. And so 
The third king was Basha, and Basha was just walking in the footsteps of Jeroboam. The fifth king in the northern kingdom, his name was Zimri. Zimri saw that the city was taken. He went into the citadel of the royal palace and set the palace on fire around him, and so he died because of the sins that he had committed, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and walking in the ways of Jeroboam and in the sin that he had committed and had caused Israel to commit. Again, that crucial verse. The evil influence of an evil leader gets passed on from generation unto generation. And so this is a timely and sober reminder to all the leaders of any church, to all the leaders of any company, to all the fathers and moms of the homes. Whatever it is that you showcase in the lives of your children, it would have great influence that would get passed on from one generation unto generation. And so we have a choice whether to pass on generational blessings that will glorify God or you would pass on a curse that would condemn the future, not only of your children, but the posterity that follows after them. And so the eighth king of Israel was Ahab. This was the king in the time of Elijah. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord, it says. More than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to worship Baal and worship him. Would you agree with me that when evil is transferred from generation to generation, the next generation would just stop the preceding one? It would always move people to outdo his father and his father's father. And so when the eighth king of the northern kingdom came in the person of Ahab, the verse would now say he not only considered it trivial, meaning Kung masama si Jeroboam, kung masama si Zimri, kung masama si Basha, o pagdating kay Ahab, 1,000 times worse ang kanyang pagiging makasalanan. Naging amateur si Jeroboam compared to Ahab. Why? Because he married an evil woman called Jezebel. The Sidonians were very much steeped in the worship of Baal at the time in that part of the Middle East. Baal was a well-known deity of rain and fertility. And now Ahab joined forces with the Sidonians and with the influence of this evil wife, Baalism became the formal religion of the entire Israel. People that were worshippers of Yahweh were now being persecuted. People that were of the faith were now being killed. And that's why prophets are now hiding in the caves true prophets of the Lord would not dare come out and declare their faith on Yahweh because it was always at the risk of being killed. It was in this setting of darkness, in this bleakness, hindi lang COVID ang tumama sa kanila mga kapatid. But right now, spiritual gloom and doom was upon the nation and they were ripe for judgment from the Almighty God. It was in this time that Elijah came blazing forth. Where was he from? He was from Tishbe. Now, where was Tishbe? Even right now, where is Tishbe? Tishbe is a very obscure place in Israel. Elijah didn't have any background who he was. The only thing that we know is that he was the son of somebody from Tishbe, 
from Tishbe, Tishbe, but from obscurity of his barrio, of his barangay, to the palace where he would confront now the most powerful man, the most wicked king at the time, Ahab. He did it at such a great risk for his personal life and limb. Why? Because he could have been killed right there and then. How dare you, Elijah, confront me? How dare you point out to me that I am wrong? Don't you know who I am? Elijah must have been raised by parents that feared the true God because his name, the name itself, Elijah, is taken from the two words of God, the two names of God, Eli and Yahweh. Elijah literally means the Lord is my God. That name defined Elijah for who he was. He didn't conform to the patterns of the world that he lived in. He came out raised from a family of believers. And so when he got that call from the Lord to rebuke not just anybody in his community, but the person that sits in the throne in the palace, he embraced that call with such fervor, not minding the personal risk that it, would, it might have brought unto his life. And so my friends, my first point for you today is this. If you would like to keep your edge in this new normal, embrace the call to stand up and speak in the name of our God. Silence is complicity, they say. If you would like to keep an edge in this new normal, to make a difference in the lives of people, don't just look at the evil and silently mourn in your heart. There's a time that the Lord calls you to stand up and be heard, to stand up and speak the truth. Oftentimes, we say, speak your truth in love. If you see a brother that is in sin, the book of James would say, gently rebuke him. The book of Corinthians would say, speak to him, just the two of you. Because the word aptly spoken are like apples of gold in settings of silver. There's a time that God would want you to confront something wrong in your church, something wrong in your family, of the, for that teenager, for that husband of yours, for that loved one of yours, and you would have to speak your truth because to keep it would mean that you are just allowing passively this evil or this wrongdoing to persist. But there's a time, just like in the book of 1 Kings, that Elijah could no longer just countenance the evils of Ahab. He had to speak it and to speak it in the most stern of manner. He must have shouted. He must have pointed his finger to this king, and he said, you are in the wrong here, and because of that, the judgment of the Lord will be upon our nation. Let me shift to our contemporary times. We are now living in very, very interesting times, not just because of COVID, but because of chaos that is now happening in the United States of America. For the last almost two weeks now, people have been crying out justice for George Floyd. And we need to speak up, even if we are not Americans, we need to speak up for such kinds of horrendous atrocities against people. When somebody is now being pinned to the ground and crying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and this policeman would just continue pinning him to the ground until he was lifeless. There's got to be somebody, there's got to be a group of people that would just say enough is enough. We will not countenance this anymore. We will not tolerate this anymore. Evil has to be called for what it is. A spade is a spade and evil is evil. 
But at the same time, we need to speak up against the evils of people that in the guise of protest, they are now looting even the most sincere family business establishments in America are being looted by these criminals that are now taking advantage of the chaos and the anarchy that is upon that nation. We need to speak up against this as well. And so I applaud those peaceful protesters that even as much as they decry the injustice done to George Floyd, they, they also stand in the doors of those establishments that were being threatened to be looted by these thugs. We need to speak up, my friends. If you'd like to make your mark in this new normal, enough of being silent, enough of just being an observer, a passive observer, we need to call evil for what it is. Let me bring it to our context today, mga kaibigan. Right now, the Congress is in the throes of approving a bill which is called the Anti-Terrorism Bill. I have read it. I am not a lawyer, and I would say 90% of the bill I agree with. It punishes, it deters, it prevents any terroristic acts that would result in the destruction of lives, property, and the disruption of the normal course of society. I say amen to that. I need to stand up and say that has got to be made into law. But just not yet. You know why? Because there's another part of that bill that we need to speak against because there's a part of the bill that says even just by mere suspicion a person can be detained even without a warrant of arrest for 14 days even extendable for 10 days according to this law now this is dangerous my friends why because this is in violation of the very principle of the writ of the habeas corpus that you cannot illegally detain a person more than 24 hours without charging him a legal charge What's my point, my friend? I've always been a centrist all my life. In the political spectrum, I stand in the center so that I can call out the excesses of the right and call out the excesses of the left. But if there are things to be celebrated, we need to speak out because otherwise our silence would mean we tolerate these things. I believe that just in the book of Ezekiel, the word of the Lord is still as relevant today, that God is still looking for a man who would build up the wall and stand up before me on the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But from time immemorial, even today, I believe the word of the Lord is the same. He says, I found none or I found so few because people would rather stay silent and quiet. And when good men do nothing, evil men prosper. The book of Second Chronicles would tell us that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God must have seen Elijah. God must have seen the deep rootedness of Elijah as he was brought up by his parents. God must have seen the righteous indignation that so built up in the heart of Elijah. And so the Lord called him and empowered him to even face the most menacing of all character during his time, the most evil king, Ahab. Where did he draw his confidence? In the contemporary English version, it says, Elijah was a prophet from Gilead, and one day he went to King Ahab and said, and I underscore this, I am a servant of the living Lord, the God of Israel, 
and I swear in his name that it won't rain until I say so. There won't even be any dew on the ground. I underscore those two verses there. Why? Because that, I believe, is your edge in this new normal. Number one, that whenever you speak, you speak in the name of the living Lord, of Yahweh, in the name of Jesus, our living Savior. If you have watched the Avengers, if you have watched Mighty Thor, every time he would speak, he would say, I speak in the name of Odin. If you have watched the movie 300, and those Persians came to confront Leonidas, those emissaries would say, we come in the name of sources. You know, when some of the establishments in ATC, Alabang Town Center, were closed by the office of the mayor because of their violation of the no plastic rule, I would say in the establishments, this establishment is closed in the name of the office of the mayor of the Muntinlupa City. There is power in the name, my friends, because behind the name is the authority that brings you to establish and accomplish that which you have been called to do. We represent the name that is above every name. Everyone will say, Amen. That whenever we do something, we speak in the name of Jesus and we swear that we are servants of the living Lord. That we do His bidding. We don't do anything out of our own personal accord, but we only listen to what God is wanting us to do. Nakikinig tayo sa pinapagawa sa atin ng Diyos. I was having my conference with uh, region's pastors and uh, one of our pastors, si uh, Pastor Jemsey and si Pastor Lawrence in Mindoro, they were just saying that they go through a lot of challenges. And Pastor Lawrence was saying he would go to the beach and he would cry out, his cries tears out to the Lord whenever he would come to those ends of the road. For him as a pastor, when money was wanting, there was just not enough resources. But he would cry out to the Lord and he would say, Lord, tinawag niyo po ako sa inyong pangalan and I am your servant. And Pastor Lawrence would testify that again and again, God would deliver him. Why, God will never abandon those whom he has called. Just like David, when he was face to face with this menacing giant called Goliath, and Goliath was mocking him, and David would say, I come to you in the name of the God of Israel whom you have defied. When Peter was doing his early ministry as the apostle of the Lord, and there was this beggar asking for money, and Peter would say, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And that declaration was always accompanied by the signs and wonders of the Almighty. And so, Rafa surprised me again a few nights ago when she came up to me and she showed me another opus. She said, this must be Elijah when he was confronting King Ahab. And I love what it shows there. Because it shows us that Elijah must have had the mighty angels of the Lord behind him. And that's why on his own, he would have no confidence. In his own flesh, he would have no confidence. Who was his Tishbite from Tishbe? Nothing. But if you know that you've got the backing of the heavenly angels behind you, you can do that which God has commanded you to do. And you know what, my friends? From that moment on, Elijah was touted as a troublemaker of Israel. So what happened to Elijah from then on? You know, if you are Elijah 
And upon your word, the heavenly shut down, rain stopped, the soil started cracking, it started turning brown and started opening up because now it's been one month or two months or three months with no rain. Wow, that must have been like a good confirmation of the prophetic anointing that God has given Elijah, correct? You see, in the Philippines, isang linggong walang ulan, okay pa tayo. Dalawang linggo, medyo kinakabahan na. Dalawang buwan, nag-a-announce na ang gobyerno. Conserve water. Ang gatdam level is now getting lower and lower. One year of no rain would spell disaster. Why? Because with drought comes famine. Good thing for the Pharaoh of Egypt. When he had a dream, Joseph said, God is giving you seven years to prepare for the coming famine. And so he had seven years to prepare for the seven years of drought. But for Ahab, it was an instantaneous judgment. Elijah said, there will be no rain except on my word. And rain, even the dew, stopped coming early morning. How is that for an anointing? You see, if I were the one writing this narrative, it must have been that the next chapter would say, and now Elijah became the greatest prophet, the greatest pastor, and they built Elijah the greatest mega church. And now people would troop unto him. Why? Because this was what the nation needed at the time. A voice that would defy even the king. Such a good story kung yan ang kinatakbuhan. But not so, mga kapatid. The next verse would say that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Karif Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. If you're watching this movie, you would have said, Wait, 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 Lord, cut, cut. Mukhang mali ang sunod na eksena. This is the moment of glory for Elijah. But why is it that in the next scene, he was being driven by the Lord to hide, to drink from the brook? To rely on the ravens to feed him. I don't know what kind of life he must have had in Tishbe, but I believe he was not drinking from the brook. I believe he was not counting on the birds. And ravens at the time were dirty birds. Why? Because these were the birds along with the vultures that would feed on the carcasses of dead people. Of all animals, the Lord would command the ravens to deliver food unto Elijah. Lord, there must be something in here. But thank God I'm not the one writing this story. God is. Faith lesson number two. If you'd like to keep your edge in this new normal, embrace the call. The call to embrace the discipline of solitude. Right after Elijah was made secure in his calling that in his word, the rains and the dew stopped, the next thing that the Lord called him to do was to embrace the discipline of being honed and being molded by God. I have read this many, many years back. I don't know even who is the original author of this. But God seldom calls the qualified, but He always qualifies the called. You are not where you are, pastor. You are not where you are, president, vice president, whoever you may be. Because you are qualified to be where you are, you are called because God chose you. But a reminder as well, 
now that you are secure in your calling, my friend, accept the training of the Lord, the honing of the Lord, the sharpening of the Lord. The Lord will subject you to His anvil because right now, the Lord is giving you the confirmation that His eyes are set upon you. He has seen your heart, He has seen your calling, and He has called you to be in the service, but just not yet. You will have to endure the Karith ravines of your life. You will have to endure the humility of having to drink from the brook. You will have to accept the perfect will of the Lord that even the ravens could be used by God if only to sustain you day after day. And solitude is one of those things that God uses to qualify the cold. Why? One of the books that greatly impacted me is authored by Richard Foster. And one of the disciplines that he expounded on is the discipline of solitude. He says, and I quote, If we possess inward solitude, we do not fear being alone, for we know we are not alone. Neither do we fear being with others, for they do not control us. And he says, In the midst of the noise and the confusion, we are settled into a deep inner silence. So whether we are alone or among people, we always care with us. We always carry with us a portable sanctuary of the heart. If Elijah could be made use by the Lord, could be used by the Lord in the greater things before him, if God could use Elijah in the mighty ways that God would eventually use him for, Elijah had to be settled with the fact that even if everything is stripped away, if, even if everyone is taken away from him, he would have to settle and be satisfied with the presence of God in his life. If God is the only presence that he will enjoy for the rest of his earthly existence, Elijah would have to be content with God because if you have God, you will have gotten everything that you yearn for. Many people detest that. Many people don't want solitude. Why? Because in our generation right now, we are a generation bombarded by noise. We've got to have that earphone. We've got to have that music. We've got to have that car radio. I see my kids, they're studying, and the TV is on, Facebook is on, Twitter is on. There just got to be so many noises around them. Why? Because without the noise of the world, many people now could not concentrate. Solitude is a discipline. Silence is a discipline that the saint would have to embrace because in your separatedness in your being away from the crowd that now you will just have to commune and train yourself to be inclined to the whispers of the Holy Spirit there you find the soft voice of God there you learn to discern what is it that God is wanting you to do mga kapatid kung merong isang bagay na itinuro sa atin itong quarantine it must have been the discipline of solitude na tinanggal ng Diyos ang ating social life. Wala na tayong Starbucks, wala na tayong party, wala tayong rave party, wala tayong reunions, wala tayong klase. You would have to be stuck and you're still now stuck with your wife and your husband and your kids and your dog. If there's one thing that we should be coming out with in this quarantine, it's the renewed love for being alone. That you don't have to fill every gap with noise. And that's why teenagers, they feel out of place coming from their popularity in high school. They enter into college and they would say, I just don't belong because I know nobody in this university. 
And that's why many students would fall for gangs and fraternities just so they would belong and they would fill that void in their heart. My friend, if you've been disciplined in solitude, God would fill you in every moment because you have already carried with you that inner sanctuary in the core of your soul. Thank God for Elijah. He embraced the call for solitude, and so he did what the Lord had told him to do. He went to Kerith Ravine. He stayed there, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread, meat in the evening. He drank from the brook. Look at this, my friend. Simple life, huh? I once went camping with my brothers. We went to Mount Makiling. And we roughed it out. We said, boys are going to be boys. And so we put up our, we pitched our tent. And we, I was not yet a Christian at the time. We drank the night away. We sang the night away. And we went to sleep around 2 o'clock in the morning. Only to be awakened by 4 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because big red ants invaded our tent because of the food that we were eating that night. And so we packed up at 4 o'clock in the morning, went back to UPLB. And that was the end of our roughing it out. Elijah wasn't there for roughing it out night. He wasn't there for one night. He wasn't there for two nights. He was there for at least one year. Elijah was in the hand of his master. Elijah was being honed. Elijah was being shaped. Elijah was being sharpened. Which brings me to the last lesson for today. That I pray we embrace the call. The call to obey and trust God in all the seasons of your life. The seasons will change. Circumstances will vary. It will not always be a glorious time. By this time, one year, Elijah must already have been enjoying. Sarap pala rito, no? Siya lang mag-isa sa sapa, siya naliligo, hindi siya apektado ng drought, and the ravens would give him food, and he was like getting into that already. This is a new normal I could get used to, sabi nga ni Elijah siguro. But then, sometime later, the brook dried up. Again, kung ako nag-sumusulat ng kwentong to, I would say, cut, cut, Lord. But Elijah is your anointed one, right? Elijah must be exempted from the dried up brooks. Elijah must not, must not be subjected. He already said yes to you, Lord. Lord, I already said yes to you. Why this punishment? Why this test? Ano pa ba, Lord, ang gusto mo sa akin? I would have a friend call me at night and he would say, Lord, ano pa ba ang gusto mo sa akin? Why? Because... I already did what God wanted me to do. By why all these tests still come and all these trials still being allowed by by the Lord to happen to me and my family. Elijah was never exempted by the ill effects of the drought that he spoke into Ahab because the brook dried up. But thank God that even in that situation, Elijah learned already by this time, one year after, he learned to trust and obey the Lord. So when the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him, instructing him to go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Why? Because he has commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. The word of God says, he went to Zarephath. Kung ako yun, I would say, Lord, wait, another cut. Sidon? Di ba yan ang bayan ni Jezebel? Yan ang pinagmulan ng Baalism, and you would want me to go there? And Lord, Zarephath? Zarephath is like 
probably 30 days walk from where he was, from the Kerith Ravine. Lord, pwede ba yung one-day walk lang? I, I would go. And Lord naman, bakit widow? Why not a rich millionaire? Why not an official of the land? A widow? At the time, mga kaibigan, if you're a widow, you're an outcast of the society. All of this, Lord, akala ko when I obeyed you to speak your word, life would turn out well for me. For my fellow pastors watching now, and for my fellow believers, you would agree with me that it wasn't always so. Would you agree? That life did not turn out necessarily for your betterment. As a matter of fact, life sometimes turned out for the worse. You were persecuted by your family. You lost your job. Some of us lost our businesses because you would not anymore want to make those shortcuts. But thank God that in all of this, Elijah embraced his call. And so even if it was counterintuitive, he went to Zarephath. I will end the narrative there. Next Sunday, we would pick up from where we have left off. Let me illustrate it this way. In the 1700s, the French did what we now call in history books the French Revolution. Egalité, fraternité, liberté, right? Equality, brotherhood, freedom. All of these French words. And of course, the proletariat, the working class, succeeded and they were able to capture French King Louis XVI. Married to Bloody Mary, if I'm not mistaken. And they had, the rebels had this French family guillotined, cut their head off. So that the monarchy would now end and the Republic of France would now be birthed. One of those family members that they captured was a 10-year-old prince, Louis Charles, the son of King Louis XVI. The rebels could not bring themselves to king to kill this young man. Paano may murder? Paano may gigulitin ang isang 10-year-old teenager? And so they decided otherwise. They decided to bring him to a community and they said, if we could not kill him just yet, let us destroy his morals altogether. So that even if he is the rightful heir to the throne, if we would destroy, if we would be able to destroy him internally, Louis Charles will have lost that royal pedigree. And so in the coming years, they would feed him with all the food that he, would, he could ever want so that he would be a slave to his appetite. Even at a young age of 12 years old, he would be forced to drink alcohol. Even at the young age of 13 years old, he would be exposed to lewd and lustful women to arouse his immorality so that he would not be kingly after all of these temptations. But history books would record, my friends, that not once, not once did Louis Charles acceded to these temptations. He would not taste of the wine. He would not go to bed with any harlot or any prostitute. He would not binge on that food and he was asked, why? Why make your life so hard? Why not just go with the flow? And Louis Charles responded, I cannot do what you ask, for I was born to be a king. Here was a young man, so sure, so secure of who he was, what he was called for, who he was designed to be. Of course, Tragic ending at age 14, he contracted an illness 
and he died prematurely. But never did he betray his royal lineage. My friends, that's the beauty when we embrace our calling. Tough times may come. Temptations may abound. This new normal might present to us new landscapes that we haven't seen before. This new normal might subject us to some twists and turns that might make us uncomfortable. But for as long as we know that we lie in the hand of the Master. And our Master is good. And our Master is loving. His name is Jesus. For as long as we know that our Master is always purpose-driven in everything that He allows to happen in our lives, then we know we will come out as victors in this new normal because we will declare we will keep our edge at all times because Jesus is our edge. I want you to watch these testimonies. I was called to go to the U.S. some 12 years ago to join the love of my life, Josiah. We got married and we started our new life together with me working as a software engineer and just as an occupational therapist. I found great satisfaction in creating software for the clinical trials industry to help our clients in delivering their trial medications all across the world. At some point, we got a house and the first child, Santi, was born. You know, the American dream was really coming into its full shape. But then God has a different plan for us. One day, the Lord just said to me, RJ, you are going home. And immediately, I knew by home, God meant the Philippines. Jasan and I agreed to God's plan, even though we did not know what was awaiting us on the other side. All He gave us was the first step. The rest of them, we will see by faith. It's been five years now since the Lord uprooted us from the U.S. and never did He relent in showing us His miraculous hand. My career inside business has just multiplied so many times over while embracing my new call to be one of the elders of the church, a role that my wife and I are fulfilling with tremendous passion. My entire family is fully plugged into Lighthouse and we are just soaking in God's favor. I have faced my new normal with the confidence that our God who calls is faithful. The Lord Jesus surely is my edge. He is yours too. Hello everyone, I'm Amy Jo. I'm a member of the Lighthouse Christian community. I am called to be an HR head for a pharmaceutical company. I've been in the role for two years now, relatively new uh, and still learning the ropes. Um, and if I'd be honest, the responsibility is much, much more than what I signed up for. Uh, and at times, I feel inadequate, insecure, and even fearful. I still do sometimes. But the Lord has been gracious to me, and He has been faithful. He has taught me the discipline of fully relying on Him for wisdom, strength, and guidance. Throughout my leadership journey, He has never left my side. Now that our company is facing this COVID-19 crisis like many other businesses in an uncertain future, I continue to rely and find my confidence that the Lord is with me, with all of us, every step of the way. He will continue to be my anchor and my edge as I face this new normal. Thank you and God bless. Hi everyone, I'm Chuck Aquino from CityGate. 
It was my life's calling to be a pilot. And to that end, I served in the Philippine Air Force for eight years, six years as a fighter pilot, followed by 34 years flying commercial for Philippine Airlines. In the military, it was my responsibility to protect the nation. And in the airlines, it was to ensure the safety of my crew, passengers, and equipment. I even had the rare opportunity to fly six Philippine presidents, in a way continuing my service to the country. God's grace has placed a wonderful and fulfilling career under my belt, something that I was privileged to carry on until recently. It started with the Ta'al eruption, followed by the current COVID-19 pandemic, which has gravely affected every industry in the world, most notably airlines, and with no exemption, Philippine Airlines. Thus, although I still had more than a year of productivity flying to look forward to, as anticipated, I received a call from the company saying that they will have to finally ask me to hang my wings within 30 days. At first, I was anxious, but after hearing God's comforting words in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Deuteronomy 31.6, He will never leave you nor forsake you. As well as 1 Peter 5.7, Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. I offered to free the company from any further financial obligation to me and opted to go on full retirement immediately. So today, I wait on the Lord to show what He has in store for me. I may have been a captain on my planes for 33 years, but God has been the captain of the 64 years of my life. I am confident that as He placed me on my various assignments, He will not fail to give me a new one in due time. Jesus is my edge and he will always be. He can be yours too. God bless you all. Thank you. I was called to be a nurse for 22 years and I loved my job. I embraced it and I commit to it. Um, nurses, they don't only give medications, but we spend time with the patients, talk to them, get to know them. We're kind of the lamps that guide the patients in the tunnel of darkness, of, of doubt, of being afraid. So now that Jesus, God called me to be in this new normal, my new season to be with Pastor Jojo and stepmom to Luke, Rafa and Caleb, I also embrace it and fully commit to it because I know that the Jesus who called me to be a nurse 22 years ago is the same Jesus that called me for this assignment. So I hope that in your life, in your calling, and in this new normal, you will keep Jesus as your edge, as He is mine. 24 years ago, I was called by the Lord to start my own business. I have been in the trading of petroleum products both retail and wholesale. This was a new normal for me at the time, especially that I was never in business before. I was born and raised in Mindanao to my farmer dad and a teacher mom. I was just an employee all my life until I transitioned to becoming a businessman. Challenges have been present every step of the way but the more the problems, the more I cling on to the one who called me to be a businessman. 
My company's employees are God's people. They are not mine. They belong to God. I am a mere steward of God's resources. COVID has brought unique challenges to our industry, but I am not anxious because the God who called me to make the shift in the means of my livelihood from being an employee to being a business owner is the same God who is calling me to embrace this new normal with full confidence that Jesus is my edge. I pray He is your edge too. Amen. What a wonderful testimony, my friends. To cap this message in a very practical way. A software engineer, a uh, programmer like Brother RJ, an HR head like Mick Mick, a uh, pilot like Brother Chuck, a businessman like Brother Nas, a nurse like my love Rose, and all of them testifying today. They knew who called them. They were secure in the calling and the lot of life that befell on them, and they were so happy to pursue that calling. But in all of this, they say, Jesus is their edge. And my friends, He can be yours too. You're watching here today. And probably in your heart, as Pastor Leo already alluded to a while ago, your heart has been filled with so much anxiety because this new normal really is just new. It's something novel, just like the virus. We haven't been here before. We're, we have no precedence. We have no precedent events that we would refer to on how to act in this new normal. But you see, my friend, it is only from our perspective. But if we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, God is already in our future. Agree? God already holds our future. And because of that, if you cling on to Him and walk with Him and abide by Him, Jesus is going to be your edge. And you will never be at a loss. You will always be His instrument to proclaim the majesty of our Savior in this new normal. First Peter would say, you are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of the darkness into His wonderful light. If Elijah the Tishbite was called by the Lord, if George Baldo the Samarenio was called by the Lord. And you've heard the testimony of Pastor June Rupa. You've heard the testimony of Pastor Saniel, the testimony of Pastor Ed Foronda, and many other pastors in the coming few Sundays. My friends, the Lord is calling you. And when He calls you, He qualifies you. He takes you by the hand, and He takes you to this wonderful journey of faith. One thing that we advise you to do, embrace that call. Don't run away from it and declare with you and your family that Jesus will always be the shepherd of your soul and with him you will fear nothing. We will have this community declarations. In this new normal, when chaos and fear seem to reign, we declare, Here we are, Lord Jesus. We embrace your call. Speak to us and through us. We shall stand firm. We shall stand strong. For we are your servants, and we speak in your most mighty name. 
when doubts come and anxieties threaten, we as a family proclaim, We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are called not because of our merits, but because of God's great purposes in us. We will cooperate with the Holy Spirit as He molds us into becoming just like our Savior. When solitude is dawned and we are called to trust and obey, our praises resound. The safest place in the world is at the center of God's will. His voice we seek to hear. His supernatural provisions we enjoy. In His blessings we bask. Amen. And now as a community, wherever you are, as you're watching this in your television, iPads, cell phones, let us declare this together, shall we? Thank you, Father God, for holding us in your mighty hands. Holy Spirit, may you endow us with the spirit of Elijah, passionate, bold, humble, submitted to you in everything. Lord Jesus, you are our edge in this new normal. Everyone will say, Amen. Amen. Para pangarap ni si Lord, mga kaibigan.